I'm Lindsay with Wild Root Flower Company. And I'm Shannon from Bloom Hill Farm. Over the last six years, we've leaned on each other as we grew our farms into the profitable six-figure farms they are today. We want you to join us each week as we have real, honest conversations about life and business. And we promise you'll leave feeling inspired and your farming toolbox will be filled with actionable strategies you can implement at any stage in your business. Learn from our mistakes as we talk business, marketing, and growing techniques to help you create the farm of your dreams. So let's roll up our sleeves and get the dirt on flowers. Hi guys, welcome to another episode of The Dirt on Flowers. It's Sunday morning and Lindsay and I are recording and Judd and I went out and harvested what I think is probably like the last of the peonies and I I am so relieved. I am so Mm -hmm. utterly relieved that they're done. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You guys have been done for a little bit. We have been. We've okay. been done for like 10 days probably okay. at this point. Yeah. Oh, well, I told had- you. You sent that – you had that picture up of you two just like waiting for the peony harvest. <laughs> I thought that shit ain't going to last. That's not going to last. Oh, my gosh. I tell you what. They – when they come, they completely run your life. Mm-hmm. And I love them also because they're one of the few-ish crops, like tulips is another one, that will straight bunch and sell. And mm-hmm. they're so easy to put together. You know, they're – they're beautiful. If you harvest them at the right stage, I love my customer experience with them because mm-hmm. they're so like kind of unimpressive when they're tight. And yeah. so people come to the flower stand and they're like, okay, you know, they're just, they're getting them and having faith. And I've tried to train them over time and I try to post pictures of them open. But the amount of comments I have gotten like, holy crap, these things opened and I can't even believe it. I've had mm-hmm. a couple people say like, I even shocked my husband with these. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what the heck? <laughs> it's so fun. Like, There's just a few crops that get customer reaction that way. And it's so yeah. fun to see it because even us, like I sometimes forget what they look like when they open because we're always like so focused on getting them tight, like in that marshmallow mm-hmm. stage. So I'm like, oh my gosh, as we, Judd gets really tweaky with the peonies. So if he like sees one open, even if it's blown open, he wants me to cut it. He's like, he's like, just cut it. It's good for my brain. If I look out and see blown open peonies, I'm just like, I don't yeah. like it, you know? And this was honestly, way. yes. <laughs> he's like, just, just, I care, cut it and throw it in the compost pile. But <laughs> in me, I'm like, I'm not cutting it unless at the right stage. Because otherwise I know what's going to happen. I'm going to bring it back to the barn and I'm not going to use it. And eventually, I'm going to be mm-hmm. sorting through it and throwing it out. So I, I really try to be – for me, that's been part of the time save with peonies. And we have had – we have caught the most percentage at the right stage more than ever this year. And it was really moving from harvesting two times a day to three. Yep. Same. <laughs> Which was a hard realization. But wow, did that make a huge difference for us. Yep. Yeah. I feel the exact same this year. I feel like we really did a nice job of mm-hmm. not – Missing any. And and I will cut. I cut because I – when I scan those fields, I don't want to see color, right? Like Mm -hmm. I I don't. So I'm with Judd. I want it cut. So I'll use it for marketing. Okay. Yeah. I'll use this. I'll save those photos. You know, I'll save those. And I also sometimes – um, I gave them. I gave some to mom for Mother's Day, but I'm curious on how long they'll last, right? Because we're like, oh, they'll just shatter and there's no point. But if they – if you harvested last night and then you missed it and you got it like midday, mm-hmm. I would still throw some of those into a bouquet even, yeah. you know, like where they're kind of open. Mm-hmm. We did – I feel like we did a good job, but we harvest mm-hmm. three times a day. Yeah. 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 Was, first thing in the morning. The first year, it was like really good. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And an interesting thing on Vase Life, I took some blown out ones on Memorial Day because I had people over that day. I'm like, oh, I'll just – I have this big white pitcher and I just filled – it's like filled it full. They were so beautiful. They were already open in the field. Those those suckers lasted for like six, seven days. I didn't yeah. change the water. Now, if I would have touched them too much, would they – some petals have fallen towards the end? Yeah. Probably. But they were just – Beautiful and smell. Oh, we have it's a variety called My Love. Seriously, is it purple? No, it's like it's blush. Oh. It is the most fragrant and beautiful. I mean, you know how because that's like our last planted field. This is I, I'm not kidding. This is the most beautiful blush peony I've ever I freaking laid eyes on. It's beautiful. Oh. Smell the smell is incredible. So fragrant, and so that, that was a good one. Yeah, it, it was. It was a really really good peony season and we sold we sold them and they were great that's good they were great that's good but yeah they um i think sometimes and i i am very i can be a stickler on harvest stage because i the last thing i want is my customer experience to be like ugh on them yeah and i think it also depends on variety so these were like big fluffy ones like the big sarah bernhardt's the big multiple petal i have some smaller ones that are more of a single petal and they open to like a really fun inside i feel like the vase life on those is not as good so i think being choosy with the variety and stuff but in yeah. general when and you can learn so much by just looking at what people buy from you but i when i put stuff down to stand i'm like okay what are people picking over mm-hmm. a lot of it is those smaller single my, my customers what they want the big softball you know, style doubles. So if we add more peonies in the future, it'll be more of those varieties that are just like the go-tos because we sold some to grocery this year and they went great. Oh, that's And good. I still got 250 a stem, which I don't think is bad for wholesale. Yeah. And we got rid of a bunch and they, those big softball style ones, they are just like perfect for that. So yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good. That's good. Mm-hmm. And now that's done. It's now they're <laughs> over. I know, which I'm over it. That's what yeah. happens. That's why I tell them, please. I'm like, hey, just when you can't stand to harvest another peony, guess what? Got something new coming. Then, unfortunately, the sunflowers last a little longer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> sunflower season never it ends. <clears throat> never. Oh my gosh, till frost. So we got to spill the dirt today, and we are talking a lot about summer annuals because we get a lot of questions every Sunday. If you don't know, we put up a question box at on our Instagram at Dirt on Flowers. If you don't follow us, head over because we do we do share a lot of like behind the scenes stuff. You'll know every Friday when the podcast you know gets updated, so it just keeps you in the loop with us for sure. So at Dirt on Flowers is that Instagram, but on Sundays we post a question box where you guys can ask us anything. And that is what really gives us so much insight into what you guys need from us. You know, where, what are you getting hung up on? And that's where a lot of these, all of these spill the dirt episodes come from. And just, they generate so many good ideas for us too. So it's really important that you guys keep filling out that, that box. Anything too. Sometimes we just have like, if you want to know a life question, yes, we might have a whole episode on just life stuff. So maybe we should. That would be good. What would people ask? I better. I need to know that first. <laughs> well, we can filter it. Just that's are you true. Dating? It's our show. <laughs> it's our show. Mind your business. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. You ready to head into the questions, Liz? Yep. Okay. Let's do it. So the first one is: How do you fill the awkward gap between May and June? Okay. So depending on what zone you're in, for us. May 
to early June is an easy part of the season for us. For us, it's more June. It's after peonies. It's the three weeks after peonies until summer crops start, which is typically for us like the first week in July. So for me, that is a very hard time because generally we are field spring planted stuff starts blooming, but I hate it because there's no focals during that piece. So it's like, I'm like, how, I mean, I have my bachelor buttons, my crest, dill, delphinium, all the good, all the good summer status, strawflower, all those good guys. But I'm always searching for a focal. So that has been my June problem because I Mm want to keep making mixed bouquets and I still have markets during that time. And I really feel not that my bouquets look weedy without a focal, but it's just like, it's like too many little components together. And I really try to be mindful of that. So this year, and we finally are starting to get it right, but um, it's taken some trial and error, but we try to fill that with lilies because generally mm-hmm. I despise lilies. I hate growing them. I hate touching crates. I hate lugging crates. I hate lugging crates with dirt in them. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. but they meet the need during that time. So at this point, I don't know, you, we only grow rose lilies at this point. Are you growing other yeah. lilies? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we grow rose lilies mm-hmm. in crates. Now this is our second year of only rose lilies. We have uh, LA lilies that we have mm. planted out. So I have some in the field Yeah, <clears throat> that are probably going to bloom hopefully this week. Uh, fingers crossed. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Rose lilies are what we grow in crates yeah. now. I just yeah. like so, them better. Yeah. They, they are. They're beautiful. They're kind of like an easy harvest. They're just beautiful. And they, they, have, a, they have a nice smell. So that's good. Mm-hmm. But so it has it, – that is what fills that gap until my summer flowers come. So that's for – like growers buckets and mixed bouquets. And generally, I typically don't run the flower stand during that time um, because it's just not abundant enough. But I'm really focusing in on florists during that time. That's where I can sell like a lot of my straight bunch little stuff. But lilies have been the answer for me basically June to early July. Yeah. Yeah. We're the same. We're, mm-hmm. We do the same. But I would say if you're new and starting out, because I, you know, maybe it is your first season and you, mm-hmm. you didn't plan for, you know, you didn't know to have the stuff planted in the fall or like starting it in March because we're zone, we're zone six. And, you know, you can still have things to get yourself out there and promote. So Mm -hmm. giving them behind the scenes on what you're doing and the process of like when you plant something, because people don't really understand what it is you're doing. You know, if you if you are utilizing a blog, you could even talk about like spring garden maintenance. Yeah. Or maybe you have like a vegetable component. You're talking about like how to sucker tomatoes and all the, you know, there's there's lots of ways to get creative with like marketing mm-hmm. to keep yourself out there. Dried flowers are another thing. So we take to farmer's market. We have dried flower bunches that we take that also gives us like another opportunity to sell an everlasting bouquet to somebody just so that it looks like our stand is fuller. Uh, you know, so I, I understand that that means you would have had to have dried them last year and all of that, but just from like a sales component or like pushing your summer Mm -hmm. annual, you know, your summer or fall CSA, like that's a way to still have income. This isn't necessarily flower related, but June is a tough month. Mm -hmm. And because you still have high payroll, if you're, you know, like there's no money, ton of money coming in the door. There's just Mm -hmm. not, because there's not a ton of stuff to sell. And we're waiting for our, you pick to get going. And so 
we we always plant really early like spring annuals and we opened our you pick in june last year the like end of june and i'm not sure with the way the weather has been and the lack of rain if that's going to happen this year it's just mm-hmm. things are a little bit even further behind so things are are lagging behind because of the rain but i plan from a business standpoint we always launch our design and dine tickets in june because yeah. that gives me a bump of income that i need in june then we move the allocate the money and move it to a different spot to pay for those expenses later on. But it does help me with payroll. So I always launch those tickets in June. So just thinking about it from yeah. you know, a business standpoint for yourself, like a way to still get income in and be creative about it versus you know, necessarily selling flowers. So we still mm-hmm. have that that little that little boost, which is always nice. But yeah, yeah. it takes planning to get fl- actual flowers if we're talking that. Yes. It takes a lot of like back planning. Mm-hmm. But and honestly, I felt like last year, the last like two or three years that we've really nailed it. And this year, it's just – it's awkward. And it's just yeah. telling yourself it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay to tell people you don't have stuff. It's okay yes. to skip a week on florist, which is what we might be mm-hmm. doing this week. We just are limited on stuff. Yes. I, the lilies, I'm hoping they bloom. But it's just what it is. Every yeah. year is different. And I'm trying to just not tell myself that what did yeah. I do wrong or what – you know. It's, it's just not learning. Yeah, it's, it's just a season. It's just yes. a season. It's yeah. like – it's hard. But, you know, it is. It mm-hmm. is. So just knowing it's awkward. Every farmer kind of goes through it. Some years you absolutely nail it. Some years you don't. Yeah. So. Okay. So someone asked, uh, what are your favorite direct seeders? And I think they're asking about the actual the planter itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think you guys use something different. But I have used a Earthway and do I don't like it. I just used this year a Chapman. Oh, that mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, my boyfriend let me borrow his corn planter. He plants corn with it, but it's a walk behind cedar, like the Earthway cedar, and I like it so much better. I think he got it on Amazon, but we'll put a link to it in the show notes oh, so you yeah. can mm-hmm. you can to see it. I'll find it and we'll throw it up there in the show notes. But that has worked really well. Our direct seeding that we do in the spring and and. We do a lot of it by hand, and we use uh, a rake that lays out the beds. We just rake the rows down. Two of us can plant like 150 foot row with I think there's six six rows within 150 foot row. That's a four foot wide bed in like 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quick. It's mm-hmm. that's prepping the bed, laying it out, getting the seed, watering everything in. You know, it's it's it goes fast for us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that would be my yeah. Do you guys, what do you use a Jang cedar? No, honestly, no, we don't. We you don't really do much. No, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm terrible. I, okay, I have, I have to tell you though. We typically okay for our sunflowers is the main crop that we direct seed. And Judd uses a corn, a John Deere corn planter, an older style single row planter on the back of his tractor that he offsets. So he goes down one row and then he turns around and comes back. And the offset allows us to plant like two rows of sunflowers together into one. I think it's like a 30 30 to 40 inch bed. So um, he does that. And then this year we've had our transplanter, which we've used, which has been really good for like labor saving and stuff. But it's some of the stuff that we typically direct seed. I mean, we trans we transplant a lot of the stuff that Lindsay direct seeds. We started in flats and transplant because we're using our transplanter to plant the majority of our things, of our plants, I'm sorry. So one thing we did, because I'm adding branching sunflowers into the field for 
the agritourism you pick piece. So we rode on the transplanter and dropped seeds in the hole that oh. the that the transplanter was like poking, dibbling for us in the plastic. Yeah. And it worked good. Now, it was a tidge overseeded because, you know, you're like sprinkling the seeds, you know. So use your packet. <laughs> no. So you're just using your packet and like just sprinkling it. How are you hmm. seeding? Like when you say you hand seed, hand direct seed. Uh, so we don't do it with sunflowers. We used to use a zipper, which is oh, – yeah, like yeah, people yeah. ask me about this. Yeah. So it just like makes w- one end of the hand tool. You walk down. It makes a row. And then you drop the seed. We're just walking and dropping mm-hmm. it. Yeah. So when I'm saying we're hand seeding that upper field, we're – taking you know a certain amount of seed and I lay it out by how many feet of something I want. That's how mm-hmm. I lay it out when I'm direct seeding. Yeah. And we squat down and sprinkle the seed in okay. and then cover it back, yeah. zip it and cover it back up. Okay. Up. Yeah. 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 But it worked. It worked good. So now I'm like, okay. So maybe if I could do that with my zinnias and cosmos, mm-hmm. like the super easy peasy direct seeders, cress, bachelor buttons, dill, all those or, oh, Saponaria was one that I tried this year. And I think mm-hmm. it definitely did not like the transplant. Oh. That's one that I think would thrive. It's so pretty. I loved it. Yeah. It was short because yeah. I think it was a little stressed, but beautiful. So I'm like, okay, now that I have the transplanter, you know, maybe I could try to direct seed some of that stuff and save on tray costs mm-hmm. and dirt costs all, a lot. It's, it's incredibly profitable to, to direct seed if you can get it right. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing with direct seeding, and we, we have an entire episode on it. It's actually, mm-hmm. I think it's like episode three. It's one of our most popular episodes. And I think it's weed control, keeping up on it. I just Zoomed. I did a little thing on my story the other day about the direct seeded beds. And somebody said, do you hand weed all that? And it's like, well, we're cultivating it. So mm-hmm. we're getting it before it's getting to the, the, the weed stage, right? So we're the whole dry and die where we're just zipping through with a hoe and, you know, getting anything that's, you know, that's before it gets like super rooted. So we're not going through and hand weeding stuff. And we just zip through with a manis tiller between the rows to keep Mm -hmm. stuff knocked down. And there's a certain level once the seed is up that you can tolerate with weeds. Like it's just, that's just what happens. They're they're not going to be perfect. Yeah. Just keeping up with weed control with direct seeded stuff. So for us during summer, so we do zinnias, Cosmos. Let's see what else. Gomfrina. We started doing <gasps> Gomfrina. What? I know. I know. So, and then wait a sec. What's the other one? Um, Amaranthus. Oh, we wow. Direct seed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Marigolds. Marigolds. Yep. Marigolds. Oh. What else? So, what I, oh, Adgeratum, you even can um, direct really? seed. So, what I've realized, Nicotiana, which mm-hmm. is the flowering tobacco, I like to, did I say Celosia? Did I block that out? No, of my you mind? didn't say it, but yeah, Celosia is a good one. Celosia, it's like weeds last year. It's still coming up in our production field. I'm like, I'm never getting rid of that stuff. We, that one's a good one to direct seed. So anything that I will see that just is popping up on its own in our beds or like reseeding from the previous year, I that's when I'm just like, oh, okay. So that happened with Gomfrina. Mm. And I thought this last year, I thought, oh, I'm going to try this in the UPIC. So we just direct seeded it, keeping it well watered and keeping it weeded and I think you'll have success with it. Uh, So it's, you know, seeds cheap if you want to try it just to see. But the trick is, and I've said this in this episode, the direct seeding episode, but if you're going to direct seed, you want to cultivate and break that soil up the day that you're doing it. So you want to break up any weed seeds that are in there, right? So if they're starting to get established, you want to till that up or, you know, rough it up and then direct seed. So otherwise, if you don't do that, 
your weed seeds already have a head start on your flowers, Mm -hmm. you know, so you're going to be competing with the weeds versus the, the seeds that you're putting in. But yeah, I, I direct seed a lot of stuff. We do. I don't know. I feel like I'm saving time, the electric, because we do everything outside. And I think the plant overall looks healthier Mm -hmm. versus not having to be transplanted, you know, so, but yeah. Very good. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So next one, what would you consider your most valuable annual crop? For me, hmm, I think, I know it's lisianthus. Lisianthus is an annual crop for us. We grow a whole tunnel of it now. I honestly can't get enough of it. It's incredibly profitable because we don't just cut it once, we cut it twice. So in September, typically, we get a second flush that is not nearly as hardy or big as the first flush, but still incredible. Lysianthus are a amazing flower. And if you can grow it, a lot of people grow it in the field too. It's not one that you can like only do in the high tunnel. Do I feel like ours is better in the tunnel? Yeah. Just like a lot of things are better in the tunnel, but I do think you could definitely plant it in the field. It is beautiful, unmatched in uh, base life. And it's another one that's a differentiator because a lot of people don't get to experience it in their day-to-day flower beds or their, their, general florist orders. It is just beautiful. And to me, it's incredibly easy, just needs a little netting. So what we do is once we, after we're done cutting that first flush, we will go through and weed it again, really good, and give it a really deep watering and a really heavy furt. And that will allow it to start pushing on its second flush. And it's amazing. So I would say that's definitely my most profitable and one of my easiest annual crops. Yeah, I when I saw that question come through, Lysianthus was the first thing that popped in yes. my head. I knew that's what you were gonna say. Uh-huh. So I started thinking, I was thinking about this. So I Lysianthus is up there for me. Like mm-hmm. that's definitely this is a hard one to narrow down to yeah. just one. But I I guess I would look at my annuals in a category of because we use dried flowers. So I was mm-hmm. thinking like how like celosia yeah, I use I know I, the pink celosia just like a multi use yeah. purpose and gomfrina is one for mm-hmm. us that it just it's very valuable because if it's in the bouquet people love it they it lasts a long time for it it yes. sells if gomfrina is in a bouquet it sells and mm-hmm. Michelle echoed the same thing. It's just like people, it's fun, it's bright, it lasts, it dries. So I'm going to say, I mean, it sounds weird to say gomfrina, but some sort of filler crop like that, Mm -hmm. I was thinking like if I eliminated it from my growing operation, where would I feel it? And that's one of them, I think for me. Sunflowers is another one that, you know, it just sells a bouquet. Yeah, it sells Mm -hmm. a bouquet. We dry them. We use them with, you know, I, we run entire dried wreath workshops. We run dried pumpkin workshops where we're, you know, decorating and we take those dried annuals like on Freno. People love those in Christmas wreaths. So that's a whole, to me, like there's value beyond just like what that Lysianthus, you know, does um, in the vase life. Now I'm a huge Lizzie fan. So mm-hmm. that was that was a tough one, but I'm gonna say yeah. I'm gonna say gomfrina or like one of those like easy fillers because they're low cost. You know they're pretty easy to produce, and uh, you know they make yeah. a bouquet sell for us. So, mm-hmm. and even if you're new and you're just starting out, just those sunflowers, gomfrina, celosia, we always feel like we have to have all the crops and everything mm-hmm. that everyone else is growing and all that. You just really need like those are the workhorses, the essentials. And every yep. year it's when I plant the summer stuff, I'm like, man, it feels like we don't 
Like I'm only planting yeah. like five crops, but really yes. different varieties of those crops. Yeah. I'm always like, geez, isn't there anything yeah. more I can plant? But yeah, I plant them for a reason because they're workhorses. People love them. They're mm-hmm. easy. They're not fussy. They're just amazing. And um, yeah. I always feel like this weird pressure. I'm like, what? geez, I'm only planting like five or six things, but lots of different varieties of them. And that's how you keep your stuff fresh, unique, different, you know, trying out new colors, color palettes, all that stuff, all that fun stuff. But you have to yeah. have within the all, all of your workhorses. So if, everything's, if everything's new and or fussy, it's like as a farm, like you need that reliability factor. And those are the mm-hmm. those are the reliable go tos. So having those and then always adding in a few new things is an important piece. But you got to have those workhorses. Yeah, we plant our fun stuff like uh, salvia mm-hmm. and and stuff that's not necessarily uh, like a workhorse. Mm-hmm. Um, we plant those for the you pick. Like we just have those yeah. out there, and I can plant you know flowering tobacco out there and. People don't care. They like it. They think it's fun. It's like wispy, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to put that sticky yes. tomato hornworm crap in my bouquets anymore. <laughs> like I used to do it. And then if I need it for a wedding, I could go rob it from the yes. pick. you know? Yeah. So it's like, that's a way different. Like Cosmos, we don't plant any Cosmos anymore mm-hmm. for in production. We only do it because I need it for a few weddings here and there. Yes. I don't love putting them in bouquets. Um, they have to be picked every single day mm-hmm. and that we're good at that for like a week and then I'm like, I'm over it. So we put them in the pick and the customers yeah. absolutely love them. So it's – that to me is like – it's way, yeah. way easier um, yeah. too. And we're growing less zinnias every year too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got some yeah. fun ones that are coming out, you know, fun new colors and stuff. But, yeah. you know, I'd rather have something that's going to last a lot longer yeah. for the customer. Mm-hmm. So. And there's always – we have a really good episode on target market. So if you are trying to figure out what that's going to look like, what you grow is incredibly – dependent on what your market is. So for us, like if we're thinking grocery, like I need those workhorses, the ones that last forever that can be, you know, beat to crap, no, you know, barely any water in the buckets, (laughs) like all Mm -hmm. that stuff have a great base life. That's what the grocery needs. But if I'm growing strictly for weddings, then that's a whole different set of crops, colors, all of it. Our retail customers love the big, bright colors. They want a hot hot color summer bouquet and our wedding clients want the blushes, whites, all of that. So it's so important thinking about who who your end customer is going to be because for me, I want to burn every Cosmo down to the ground. I hate them so much. <laughs> I hate seeing them. I hate looking at them. Oh, they're kind of cute to look at. I just yeah. – but from a production standpoint, they're a pain. Yeah. Well, production side, they are. Yes. The Kaylin, you know, that's Kaylin's favorite oh. flower is Cosmos. She's going to, she may unfollow this podcast <laughs> if she hears this. I think about her where she said any asshat can grow a sunflower. Yeah. In her episode, I think about it so many times where I'm like, yep. Yes. Any asshat. This is true. Like, gosh, I know. But, yeah. Um, I mean, but you pickers, what you, if you have a you pick, what yeah. you pick is going to love is going to be sometimes a lot different. Than, yeah. um, than what maybe like you might grow for grocery or your retail or whatever. So it's just fun. It's just yeah. fun to try it out. But if you first establish who your target market's going to be, that will be your – that'll give you some direction, which is nice. So the last question we got was pest management uh, is a hot topic, but I would love to know what you guys do to manage it. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, we it, it is a hot topic. It's one that's like highly debatable on how you should handle something. So we use IPM, Integrated Pest Management, which basically just means you're kind of on the prowl. You're trying to be proactive mm-hmm. and use like multiple avenues to manage pest. And so just is us like doing walkthroughs. So I go through, you know, I'm always looking at the crops to see aphids are a big one for us, mm-hmm. aphids, white fly. And looking at that particular plant, like we – I know there's like paper daisies for us always get aphids Mm -hmm. always. So we just put them, we put them on a spray program and we're using Pyganic. So Mm -hmm. we spray organically, but we'll use Endeavor or Pyrethrins to, Mm -hmm. to knock those out. And it's, it's catching it early. So with our spring stuff, so ranunculus and anemones, they can get, especially if it's hot quick, they can get aphids very quickly. Aphids tend to feed off of nitrogen. They do feed off of nitrogen. So we'll, if we're starting to see stuff creeping up, we won't be using, you know, we cut out the fertilization to try to manage that. So there's a lot of things from managing with an IPM standpoint that we're trying to take care of so that we're not having to, you know, to lose the crop um, or spray, you know, like a stronger insecticide. So couple f- things with that is like making sure you have healthy plants because yeah. healthy plants are less likely to get sick, get, to get diseased. And I'm trying to think another – oh, Japanese beetles. That's one I was thinking with this. Mm-hmm. We don't do anything no. for Japanese beetles. I mean I used to go out in the early mornings and like pick them off. And if I see them and I'm out there, you know, I'll cut their heads off with clippers. But yeah. I'm not such a quick time yeah. and they like – will destroy something like one particular plant. Yes. Yeah. So like with zinnias, they love mm-hmm. to get after them and they will, they're, they have a pheromone. So if you have like, if you, you'll notice that you'll have like one particular plant that's just like shredded, <laughs> right? And you're like, why are you yeah. picking on that one? Well, it's like one of them or two of them are on there and then the pheromones attract all of them to that mm-hmm. particular plant. So you could go out and, you know, pick Japanese beetles and to do it that way, but we don't do anything to spray with them. I think there's pheromone bags that yeah. they attract can collect them. Just put them in your parents or your neighbor's yard. Yes. So that they don't, they aren't attracted to the area that you're putting them. But yeah, I don't know. That's yeah. Walking through, we don't do much. If you, if you're growing healthy plants, like you still can get disease. Sure. You know, that can still, that can still happen. I'm not saying that it's that, but focusing on growing healthy plants is a, is a Mm -hmm. huge start to pest management. Yeah. But yeah, that's kind of what we do. What do you, I I agree. Everything that Lindsay said, integrated pest management, that's what we do. More of it is just keeping an eye on it, getting it early, using a pyrethrin. We have um, we have a place uh, really close to us called Ohio Earth Food that we consult with a lot. There, and if you're in Ohio, there is like a specialty cut flower program with well, what, what do you call plant people? P- plant pathologists mm-hmm. that you can they have a grant where you can send free samples to to get your if you have a fungus or some type of issue happening, you can send plant samples to them and they will process your sample for free and they're based out of the Worcester, um, Ohio State mm-hmm. Extension. So I've used them a couple of times with trying to figure out what what my next step should be. So, you know, finding a resource that you can reference or somebody that you can speak to um, is really important. And generally, I mean, I have a ratio, like I've, we say i I plant based on knowing that maybe 15 to 20%, I'm either going to lose, not harvest, whatever case you have to build in that, that that's part of what we do. Like you have to expect that some of that's going to happen and you're going to get to a point where you're going to have to weigh like, is my, 
where's my time worth? Is it worth just, you know, waiting for the Japanese beetles to eventually go? Or am I going to go through and like pick every single one off? Are we just like, what's your tolerance with it? And I think growing healthy plants is the number one thing that you can do to try to ward it off. And there's just a certain level that we're going to have to live with in some ways. So in my tunnels, especially is where I'm, uh, we were really like hound dogs on it because it yeah. can get really out of control that way fast. If you're not looking and it's training your employees to see and look, flip leaves over looking, there's all kinds of things that you can do. Little like sticks with like the sticky tabs on it, you know, mm-hmm. to try to bat these things ahead of time. So it's just, it's being proactive about it, I think is is the number one. And accepting that it's going to be part of your life is figuring these things out and getting um, some type of plan of action, you know, when they happen. Yeah. yeah I had our dahlias, we, we had one year, like a couple, well, a couple years, they just seem really stressed. We got like leaf hoppers on them. Like I got white fly one year. And again, this is just like kind of being curious about like, is it on a particular variety? Mm-hmm. Is it on everything across the board? And the year that a couple of years that we had leaf hoppers really bad. Everything's really stressed and stuff. And that's when I learned that I should be planting those tubers deeper. So mm-hmm. we switched to planting deeper. I made the pathways wider because I was trying to fit like a lot more. I was doing two foot bed, two foot walkway. And so we bumped that out just even a foot to get better airflow and planted the tubers deeper. And it was like the problem just went away. The plant was stressed and so the bugs were attacking it. We had where I was saying we had white fly on a variety and it was the same variety like year after year. Yeah. And so we just got rid of it. And so I was like, okay, this thing's just this thing is an issue. And so I was some little tiny white one. I can't remember which one it was, but we had issues with it. Oh, it's Orset Beauty. Oh. What? And you love that oh, one. God, I love Orset Beauty. Yeah. Really? Okay. I'll, yeah, I'll keep that's what it was. On. Oh, I love Orset. You I think I said yeah. it to you and you didn't have, I don't think you had any issues yeah. with it. I mean, we Man, I planted that thing. Yeah. I tried and tried and tried because I liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it, maybe it's just our soil type, right? We have really yeah. sandy soil. Maybe just didn't like where it was at. So anyway, that was just you know crop rotation is another thing to consider. So if you're like you know you have issues with a particular crop and you've done it in the same field every year, then maybe it's yeah. time to like rotate mm-hmm. it out because that could be part of it. So yeah. IPM is kind of a big topic, but yeah, that's kind of how we it's kind of yeah. how we manage it. We we should try to get some type of IPM expert on the podcast. Mm-hmm. That would be a good That's one. A good idea. Yeah, it would be. Yeah. I get kind of snoozy during during that kind of stuff though. Any science related stuff, guys. Shannon, uh-huh. I'm like flicking the screen. Oh Anything Ooh. technical, I'm like, Shannon, wake it up. Wake it up. She's over there like nodding her head, has her eyes open like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> okay. I, so we'll, we'll have to do it. Like when are, when are you most alert? Like 7 a.m.? Yes. Okay. With coffee. With coffee. <laughs> we'll do an IPM with coffee. <laughs> got to find somebody really energetic. We've got, we'll find somebody that's like real excitable about yes. bugs. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know what? The thing we'll is, find though, is that Judd usually deals with most of this stuff. Like talking about spray schedules and like that's like him 100%. Mm-hmm. So for me, I'm like, mm. <laughs> even as your podcast host, co-host, <laughs> we all have our strengths. Yes. Yes. You go talk to Judd. Oh, that's oh, funny. Oh, my goodness. Well, we'll have to put that. We'll make some notes to yes. get that on. Get somebody on there. Find somebody yeah. energetic and good. So. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you for joining us again for listening each week. Honestly, we 
we say it every week, but we really do. Like your investment into this podcast just means so much to us. And we are having a blast at The Insiders. If you have not joined or don't know what we're talking about, The Insiders is our membership, monthly membership that we have. And, you know, we've got a Facebook group and we do a monthly Zoom. So the monthly Zoom is sort of like a spill the dirt kind of live episode. Mm -hmm. You get to ask questions. We've got lots of like fun ideas that we're throwing around for next year too. So, but yeah, each month we open it up the first through the fifth. So if you haven't jumped on the Insiders bandwagon, you should. We're having a lot of fun. But, and again, if you have not followed us over Instagram at Dirt on Flowers, do it now. We used to be, we, you know, when we first signed up, we were mm-hmm. at the Dirt on Flowers, yes. since that is the name of our podcast, and we didn't use it. Yeah, for like ten Not days or something. <laughs> just and like- I got this email notification that they like closed our account. <laughs> what? Yeah. Because it, we didn't follow guidelines, which meant we didn't post within a certain amount of time. So anyway, at Dirt on Flowers, mm-hmm. go follow it. Send us a message and tell us what you want to hear. We love that. Like we love hearing from you that you want a podcast episode on. XYZ. Let's do it. And if you have a Instagram flower farmer friend that you that you chat with and want to share a podcast with, please do that. That would be great. We would so appreciate it. So thank you guys again for being here and we will see you the same time, same place next week. 